0: Welcome to Fitness in the Word with Benjamin Kassanji. You are key in God's move. Praise the Lord. You are very important in this that God is doing in Kenya, starting with Kenya. You're very key. Praise the Lord. And God has anointed us. We are seeing the testimonies. men. just from hearing the testimonies, we see God. You, you, I remember, you know, it's not, not the first time Anne has testified about her being healed of the favorites. And had that being healed in Nakuru. We believe in healing and we've seen great miracles happening. She used to use specs, Anne used to use specks. Manu used to use specs, A number of people that have been healed here of different sight issues. We've seen deaf ears open right here. We've seen people with broken dislocations in their hands, legs. We've seen them healed. Hallelujah. Very important. Uh, we've seen miracles of provision. We've seen lives transformed. Look at Victor's testimony. Yeah, about the dad. That is so important. Especially seeing, you know, I knew Victor before he was born again. See the influence he is right now. Hallelujah. Look at Alice testifying. Alice also just got born again through evangelism. The evangelism we do in Aga Walk. That's where Alice got born again from. Look at the impact she has. See how she's praying for people. See how she's impacting lives. Hallelujah. And see Talmon and Koi, you know, If you just hear their testimonies, how from the time they came here, that different things that have been happening, people have got healed, and great things that have happened, that even you're, you're kidnapped and you can still share the love of God with people. That is not so common in the church in Kenya. People don't share the love of God even when there is no threat. You get what I'm saying? Like normal Christians in Nairobi never talk about Jesus. They were told that the way you preach the gospel is by living good don't sag your pants, don't put on short dresses, and people will know that you are a Christian. They'll know you. But you see, he told us to go proclaim the gospel. And so by the time somebody can proclaim the gospel, when people have a gun, a panga, like, that just shows you that these are not religious people. They've known Jesus. Praise the Lord. You hear Steve, the testimony that Steve is giving. And, like, God protect, the spirit of God came upon him like Elijah. Okay. to flee, you know. Personally, when I see lives transformed like this, it is very exciting, and I know that this world is safe because we are here—people full of the spirit of God—who can impact our nation, who can impact here. But one of the main things that we need to understand is that we are called to love. Praise the Lord, because it is true. We can have—we have—we can have healing meetings. We've had healing meetings. We can pray for people. I've seen because of growing up, I've seen I've been in many healing meetings where I've ministered, some have attended. And many times there will be healing, but there will be no compassion and no love. And you will never attain the results that God wants us to attain, because the motivation for ministry has to be love. Praise the Lord. Jesus was moved with compassion, and he healed them all. So we can heal them to parade them before the camera. And... We can only go as far. Praise the Lord. Because I believe this is something that God wants to bring back, especially to this nation. Yeah? Especially. It is so sad that you can't randomly talk of a church where wheelchairs are being pushed to on a Sunday. You get it? Healing miracles is so key in the New Testament. If you cut out every healing and every miracle in the New Testament, you will be left with very small portions of the New Testament. So it is meant to be something. You know, many of us may say, okay, that is not my main calling. Yeah, it may not be your main calling, but let's see, where does Jesus put emphasis? He performed more miracles than someone's he taught. And he told the Pharisees, if you do not believe me, at least believe me because of the miracles. Believe me because of the works that I do. In other words, when miracles, when we see miracles, when we see healings happening, there are many people that are going to come to Christ because of that. There are many people who look at us as a religious bunch, who look at us as just another organization. In Kenya, churches are registered under societies. So there are people who look at us like uh, whichever circle, whichever society. You get it? We are just a circle like that because we come and sit like they have an AGM, and we move, and we are cursing each other, we are hating each other. But you see, what will make us stand out is that when they come here, when they come for our meetings, there is power that touches them. And they are transformed. That there is something beyond a lecture. Because whatever they are getting out there is a lecture. They can get a lecture from anyone on how to live good, on how to drink water, on how to exercise, on how to save money. So if they come to church and that's the same thing that they are getting, um, when corona comes, church is not essential. It's not that essential. Why do these people think church is not essential? Maybe they've not seen the impact of the church. But you see, they are about to start seeing the impact. Because you are here. Because God has touched you. And it is you that God is using. If you can make an uber guy, make money that day, they are starting to realize you're essential. Hallelujah. Just on, was it on Thursday? Is it on Thursday we were with Steve in town? And he was, his mask was a bit low. And right now he's not putting on a mask. So he was handcuffed. So we are with him there. And he's handcuffed. You know, these guys want money and what? And we told them we are from church. We are from praying. He tells them, this is my pastor, we are from church, we are from praying. Where is your church? Tell them, "Gara, what's the name of your church? Definitely they expected, uh, you know, you're honored in Kenya if you come from a mainstream. You get it? So he tells them it is called the God Church. <laughs> They've never heard of the name. So they're like, okay, we are releasing you, but pray for us. That will release us. So I looked at it as, maybe God is showing us something in this. Church is becoming essential. Because there are many guys they had arrested. We didn't give them money. All we told them, we are from praying. We are from church. And that's how it should be. Because that's how it was in the 70s and the 60s here. If somebody was a bishop or a pastor, they were not even checked sometimes at the airport. But now you say, I'm a pastor. You say, eh, hey, check tena. You, you get it? He <laughs> said, let's check again. <laughs> and you're from Uganda. Hey, eh, 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 eh. Toa, toa kila kitu. <laughs> if you, <laughs> You Ugandans, Ghanaians, and Nigerians, <laughs> remove everything. Maybe it's because we are not giving what Peter gave. Peter said, such as I have, I give unto you. What has he given us? What have we received? That, the world, that we don't need to show the world that we are essential. They would just see it. You've, you've read of William Branham. I've told many of you to read God's Generals. Read the book, God's Generals. Imagine one time he was flown... From USA to England to go and pray for, I think it was the king by that time or somebody next to the king. But in that royal family, they had a certain cancer. And he prays for them. And they are healed. And you see now, these people know that this person is essential. This person who carries God is essential. A a slave in a man's house tells tells him, I know a prophet in Israel. Hallelujah. Naaman, a commander in the armies of Syria, goes all the way to Israel because this man's God is essential. It is not just religion. And God has not called us to just religion. Many of us are here. We have testimonies. We've been transformed. We don't come to church just because we were born in a Christian family. We've encountered him for ourselves, isn't it? So if we've encountered him for ourselves, we can give him to the world the world can experience him in his reality. Praise the Lord. But the link is going to be the love of God. That's experiencing the love of God and showing the love of God out there. Because like I was telling you, I've seen meetings where we are praying for people. People are being healed. Even meetings where I have been praying for people. And people are being healed. And there are those who didn't seem to respond instantly. They are hidden away from the camera. They don't want to be, you get it, they are made feel like I didn't cooperate with the preacher. I didn't have enough faith. They are put down because they didn't. I remember there's a meeting where we were praying for people, and there is this lady who came with with a child, the child. The child was all deformed. The head was swollen. The tongue is out, the arms are twisted. And a number of us laid hands on this lady until it's like the ministers were getting irritated because the lady keeps coming, keeps bringing this child and no result is happening. And you see, when you see such things, it is true you're ministering healing and it is true you're seeing results, but where is the compassion? You see, there is a higher place, there is a, there, there is a higher place, there is a higher revelation that God has given us, which is love. Hallelujah. Which is love? The Bible says in, in John 13:35, by this shall they know that ye are my disciples. If you have love one for another. By this shall they know that you are my disciples. Not even just by the miracles. Not by the manifestation of power. It is by love. And the love that he's talking about here is a supernatural kind of love. The agape love of God. The love that this world cannot comprehend. That you can be at gunpoint and share the love of Jesus Christ with someone. You wouldn't share the love of God with someone you hate. You wouldn't share the love of God with somebody you're bitter with. You get what I'm saying? So this love the world cannot understand. Is it real? The world will call it pretense, just like everything we have, just like the peace we have. During this season, a number of you have testified, some of you lost jobs and what? But you see, when people look at you, there is a peace that you have. Nothing happening around you is a factor to your peace. Because he says, the peace I give to you is not the peace that the world knows. And he says, this peace cannot be taken away from you. My peace. It is my peace. After telling them, John John, sixteen, thirty-three. after telling them, in this world you shall face tribulation, but be of good cheer. In other words, you can have peace amidst tribulation. You can have, you can have peace amidst every kind of attack. That is what he was telling them. So whatever he's called us to, whatever he's given to us, is supernatural. And the carnal mind, the natural mind, cannot perceive it easily. This is the love that the world will see, and they will know that we are his disciples. It is not a love which is so and so has done good for me so I can do good to them. That is what everybody in the world knows. And Jesus said that even pagans, another version says even sorcerers do that. They love their own. They meet. You find them in hotels meeting. They love each other. So he says that's not so different. If you only love somebody because you're in the worship team, you're in the ushering team, that is not so different. That will not shock the world. It will not surprise the world. It is the love that he's called us to, the love that he gave to us. And when you read the whole of chapter 13, like we read last Sunday, you see this is where Jesus washes the feet of his disciples. And I gave us a history of this. Washing feet was to the least servant in a house because these people came with their feet dusty because of those lady shoes they used to put on. I, I explained to you the lady shoes for used to put on. Those shoes that have threads up to a, i seen ladies, one string is two meters, so you pull, then you roll. Then you pull. The... <laughs> then there's a lady, There is a lady. she's a family friend. She used to have, and I didn't know that those shoes can have many laces. See, she had an orange dress, the shoes were orange. She had some like, wow, you have many pairs of these shoes. <laughs> like, no, there's a secret. <laughs> it's the laces. <laughs> you can have many. So those are the shoes Jesus had. You can't walk with such shoes in a desert and not have dust. Hallelujah. So they, 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 they had to wash, and it was the least servant who did this. Jesus, being a master over the apostles, over the disciples, he chose to wash their feet, including Judas Iscariot and Peter. And yet he knew that Peter would deny him. He knew that Judas Iscariot would betray him. And then he tells them in verse 34, As I have loved you, love one another. In other words, this example that I have showed you, knowing that Judas Iscariot was going to betray me, I didn't treat him less. He even ate with me. Knowing that Peter was going to deny me, I didn't treat him less. And he's telling them, this you do. If you don't do this, you're not part of me. And many times as Christians, we took that to mean he meant let's wash people's feet. There's nothing wrong with washing people's feet. I've emphasized that. Some feet need to be washed. I've told you that over and over. But you see, the, the essence, what Jesus was talking about here was the way he had loved these disciples. He had loved these disciples unconditionally. You know, you'd think that by the time he says, get behind me, Satan, to Peter, the next time he would say, Peter, you're not getting fish, you're eating githeri. But you see, whenever... He didn't, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't treat Peter that way. Hallelujah. <laughs> Some people would be excited because of that. They'd just say, yes, githeri. <laughs> He's called us to show this love. There is no way we can love like he has loved us if we don't know how much he has loved us. And this is a big missing link in the body of Christ. Many Christians don't really know the love of God. When we say things like, God killed my child, God took my child, we make him a hawk. You get it? God gave you a child, and after three days, he took the child. So it's after three days that's when he discovered that this child is better off in heaven. Those are the things we preach in, in church. Why? Because we our our revelation of god is based on disappointment not revelation so our our, you should never throw away what you know for what you do not know it's true you may not know why that child died but you know what god has said in his word about his love you know that good and perfect gifts come from god don't throw away that because of what you do not understand And so when we don't fully understand God's love for us, when we don't understand how he's loved us, we can't offer that love to the world. That's what he was emphasizing to the disciples. As I have loved you, love one another. So it starts here, as the brethren. He's called us to love those that are in the world, but it starts here, as the brethren. And brethren is not just the people seated here. It is every Christian, every believer, The Bible tells us in John 17, 21, he says that they they may be one, even as we are one. That God wants us to be one with each other as he is. Jesus was saying as he was with the Father or the Trinity, that we should be one. And you see, one does not mean we are going to go to the same church. One does not mean that even our doctrinal persuasions are going to be the same. Praise the Lord. But it means that there is a real strong love for each other, a genuine love that when you see somebody who is a believer, it does not matter which church they go to, it does not matter which denomination they go to. That in you there is an excitement, there is a warming up to them because you are a child of God and they are a child of God. First John three fourteen says, "This is how we know that we've passed from death to life: when we love the brethren." Many times, I've, as I've preached to people randomly here, I've seen people repel me by telling me that they are born again already. I'm like, you need the Spirit of God. Because this is how we know that we've passed from death to life. If we love the brethren. Because we love the brethren. Because you see, when somebody tells me they are born again, there should be a leaping in my heart, there should be an excitement. So many people have come to me to preach to me. And I get excited that they've come to preach to me. Because I'm like, this is another brother, this is another sister. But you see, if that excitement is not there, that love is not there, it is going to be very hard for you to impact the world that way. Yeah? And like Talmud was asked, are you a pastor? This is what I believe for everyone that is in Ratsi. I believe that everybody in this ministry has to be so deep in the word of God and knowing God. Many times we are talking about as we move on from the elementary things, Paul said in Hebrews, I think it's Hebrews 6, that now moving on from the elementary things, let's press on, let's go on, let's pursue perfection. And many people get there, but people don't know the elementary things. How many elementary things have you learned here? Like just knowing the love of God, knowing spirit, soul, and body, knowing resurrection, knowing justification, righteousness. These are elementary things. Today you find people who know everything about healing, everything about casting out demons, everything about the prophetic, everything about uh, spiritual, about the five mountains, about the, everything about heavenly courtrooms, everything about that. Yet they don't know the elementary things. If you don't know the elementary things, which are the foundation, whatever you know is going to come down, it's just a matter of time. You can be as deep as you want. Hallelujah. But sharks will find you there. (laughs) This building without its foundation, it's true there is no glamour about the foundation. There is nothing we know about the foundation. Maybe you don't even know the exact materials they used. But this building is as stable as its foundation. And these things that God is calling us back to are so important. So love is a real foundation. Love is a theme of the Bible. It is so emphasized. It is why Jesus came and it is so emphasized. So, if we are called to love, how has he loved us? He's loved us unconditionally. Yeah? Let's read, let's read Ezekiel 16, 6 to 14. This he was speaking to Israel, but this is speaking to you. And when I passed by thee, and saw thee polluted in thine own blood, I said unto thee, when thou wast in thy blood, live. Yea, I say it unto thee, when thou wast in blood, live. This is like a child that is born, born in their blood, and they are left there to die. Their cord is not yet cut. Let's, let, let's, go, let's go back, let's read in Amplified. Let's read verse 6 in Amplified. And when I passed by you, saw you rolling about in your blood, I say to you, in your blood, Leave, yes, I say it to you, still in your nettle blood. So you are just born. Leave. Let's go on. Verse 7. If I have caused thee to multiply as the bird of the field, and thou hast increased and works and great, and thou art come to excellent ornaments, thy breasts are fashioned, and thine hair is grown, whereas thou wast naked and bare. Now when I passed thee and looked upon thee, behold, thy, thy time was the time of love, and I spread my skirt over thee and covered thy nakedness. Yea, I swear unto thee and entered into a covenant with thee, saith the Lord God, and thou becamest mine. Then washed I thee with water, Yea, I thr- I thoroughly I thr- I washed away thy blood from thee, and I anointed thee with oil. I clothed thee also with braided work, and shod thee with badges, skin, and I guarded thee about with fine linen, and I covered thee with silk. I decked thee also with Ornaments, and I put bracelets upon thy hands, and a chain on thy neck, and I put a jewel on thy forehead, and earrings in thy ears, and a beautiful crown upon thine head. Thus wast thou decked with gold and silver, and thy raiment was of fine linen and silk, and braided and braided work. Thou didst eat fine flour and honey, and oil, and thou wast exceeding beautiful, and thou didst prosper into a kingdom. And thy renown went forth among the heathen, for thy beauty, for it was perfect through my comeliness, which I had put upon thee, saith the Lord God. Praise the Lord. You, You know, this is God's saying, you didn't choose me. You were dirty. You were in blood. You were a mess. And I chose you. I clothed you. I put a chain around your neck. I put a ring on you. I clothed you. I made you beautiful. Now the whole world is talking about your beauty. The whole world is talking about your goodness. It is not you who did it. It is me who did it. And I made you my own. I made you my own. I called you my own. This is how God has loved us. This is how God chose us. Some people think this love of God, but you see, I no. God found you like this. Romans 5:8 says, "But God commendeth His love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ came and died for us. He did not wait for you to become good; He just showed up for you. And the wrong teaching is that grace came to you before you were born again. God just loves you. He saw you as you are. Then, when you came, now His love stopped. You have to perform to earn His love. A, a total lie." It is not that. What does Romans 8.32 say? Actually, when you came into the kingdom, it even got better because your eyes were open to this love. Look at Romans 8.32. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? That in other words, when we were a mess, he gave his son. He just loved us. How many of you can say that Jesus died for you because you had prayed so much, you had fasted so much? They said, the way they fasted, let me go die for them. He just came. So Romans 8.32 is telling us that now that we are here, it's even better. With him, everything shall be given to us. This is how he's loved us. His love is unconditional. Praise the Lord. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 13. Many times when we read 1 Corinthians 13, we only think about it as a love that we should walk in, or a love of man to man, towards man. But you see, it is impossible if we don't receive it from God. So God is the one that carries such love. Yeah, 1 John 4, 7 and 8 tells us, Beloved, let's love one another for love is of God. He that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is Love. Uh, go, go to First Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter chapter 13. I'll show you. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not charity. Now today the word charity is not, is not really understood like it was in the cake English. Today we, we just think of charity as giving food, giving tissue, giving diapers, giving. We, we think of charity just as that. But you see, a truth that it still comes with is that Normally when we are doing charity, it is not because we are expecting from the people. When you do charity, many times we go to the poorest, we go to the most vulnerable because you know they can't give back. So that is when we call it charity. Praise the Lord. So it has that aspect of truth uh, concerning this love that God is calling us to. It is a love that is not necessarily expecting back. And he says, how many people have you seen speak in tongues? And as fast as they speak in tongues is as fast as they gossip. You know what I'm saying? He says, that's nothing. You're just, uh, you've become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Now, musicians, worship team may need you. But, let, let's, let's read it. Let, let's go back and read it in the message version. Let's read verse 1 in the message version. If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, but don't love. I am nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. Now that one worship team doesn't want. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge. And though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity or love. I am nothing. It is possible for us to prophesy without faith. I mean without love. It is possible for us to move mountains without love. But to him, that is nothing. We are nothing. Praise the Lord. Verse 3. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. And this is a big part that as the church we've not understood. Because as the church, we want to be considered relevant by the opinions of the world. So as a church, as long as we are this that we are doing right now to the world, this is not considered important. Because the world will not celebrate us because I'm here teaching the word. The world will only celebrate me if they see me in Kenyatta Hospital giving out flour and doing what? But The Bible is saying that I can do that and the world will clap for me and they will say that's a real church, that's a real man of God. And it will be nothing. Because it's easy to do that because I now get applause from both the church and the world. Praise the Lord! It's important. You see, we do charity. Praise the Lord! Many of you have had Mister Miner's testimony. Uh, we've gone to Kenyatta Hospital. We've given. We've helped street people. We've even got people from the street. Some people. We've got. Uh, we like we, we 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 love that. Praise the Lord! But. Many times church will fall away from the things that God put emphasis on to just be okay with the world. You find a church that never talks about healing as much as it is in scripture. They've never one day called somebody and said, who are sick, come let's pray for you. People don't know about speaking in tongues as much as it is in the New Testament. But every time they're like, let's raise money for those affected by the floods. Let's raise money for this. It's important. But you see that's how the devil wins. The devil, when he says that in the very end, even the very elect shall be deceived, it's not that the devil is going to come and tell you, start preaching gay marriage. Start preaching. No. He's just going to get your priorities out of order. He's going to get you to do something that is good, that the world will celebrate, but miss on the most powerful thing. Look at Jesus. He knew his was mainly to teach and impact these disciples. There were many things to be done. He even told this lady, he told Judas Iscariot, the poor you will always have with you. In other words, you'll always have opportunity to give to them. But you don't see that Jesus was out there many times just looking for the poor to help them. As important as it is. But he knew that if I seed these people with the word of God, out of these people, charity organizations will grow. Out of these people, like many, lives shall be impacted. Hallelujah. The people, maybe my parents that led me to Christ, there are things that I have been able to do even through this ministry that they never did. So somebody may look at what they did as not so important, the seed they sown in my life. But maybe Mr. Minor would not be here with us. You get what I'm saying? So, but you see, somebody will celebrate us because of Mr. Minor. Wow, you guys got him from the street, and you did all this, and you paid all this. They will celebrate that. But they will not celebrate that there is somebody we are share- there is somebody we are teaching the word every day. Even Christians, you find that Christians are more willing to give towards those things, and they're not willing to give towards a gospel crusade. They're not willing to give towards the word of God here. They're not willing to give towards conferences, which is so sad. The devil is lying. Praise the Lord. So he's saying that it is possible because it is easy. It is easy for us to do all these things and yet not do them in love. And without love, to God they are nothing. They profit us nothing. Verse 3. Now, he starts explaining what love is and what love is not. Attributes of love. So he says, charity suffereth wrong. Let's read in NLT. From here, let's just read in NLT. Going on. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous and boastful or proud. Now, for that word love, replace it with God. Because if he's called us to such a love, and the Bible is telling us God is love, that means these are the attributes of God. Praise the Lord. And there is no way we can live it if we've not experienced God because it can only be caught or received from God. There is a love. You see, many times we, 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 we wonder, like somebody wonder, how can I love somebody unconditionally? How can I love my wife who is doing this? How can I love my husband who is doing this? You can't if you've not experienced it. This is not love you can just work on. This is not love you can just say, now from today I'm going to love. You're going to get tired. You're going to give up. Yeah? I'm, I keep referring to Mr. Minor, but he, very soon he will come and finish his testimony. But look, the things Mr. Minor went through and him sharing his testimony with us, there is reason for his family to reject him. Because that is how far human love can go. You get it? He drank. Maybe their money. They got him jobs. He lost them drinking. You get it? He's fighting them. He's, how can you continue loving such a person? They gave him every opportunity. And you see, when you get to them, they're like, you see, we did this, we did this, we gave him land. He sold land. We did this, we did this. How can we love such a person? The answer is, you can't. Unless you encounter God. Unless you encounter the love of God. Unless you get to realize how much God has loved you also. And this is what he's saying. Love is patient and kind. Now, patience may not do it justice because of what we understand with patience, but it's when he says (laughs) long-suffering. Maybe that literally would mean, would show, suffers long. It will suffer long. Love is, is that, that it will keep believing, keep believing, keep being taken advantage of. Jesus showed us this when he came in the body. In Philippians, he tells us, he did not consider it robbery, being equal with God. Now, that's just King James' version. But what he's saying is that it was not it was not pride. It was not a big thing for Jesus to think that he was equal with God because he was. But he says he laid it down, he put it away, and decided to come as a human being. How much did Jesus go through for the very go through with or by the very people that he came to die for, that he came to love? The ones that didn't believe in him. The ones imagine even doctors get tired. You in know, hospital, people are telling you, take this medicine, take this medicine, like I don't want. And okay, he's like, I'm here trying to help you, and you can't even take your own medicine. Do you think it is going to heal me? Okay, do whatever you want. They'll get tired of you. Family will get tired of you. Even if you're sick, you get sick for one year, they are there trying to serve. After five years, everybody. Clean your own room. Every time you call out, like they will get tired. Now he's saying, God is not that way. God is not saying, oh, last year I gave you an opportunity, now you've drunk again. Last year I gave you an opportunity, now you've messed up again. Done. He's saying that is not God. Patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud. That is not God. That's how Jesus came. Being God, he came and humbled himself. He limited himself to human nature. That when he needed to go somewhere, he needed to walk or take a donkey. From a God who was omnipresent anywhere. Now he has to wake up and think the journey is long. Let's rest. Not boastful, not jealous. Yeah? Go to verse, l- l- let's read this in the Amplified. Verse 4. Let's read amplify it. Love endures long and is patient and kind. I think that makes it better. Love n- is never envious nor boils over with jealousy. Is not boastful or vainglorious. Does not display itself hotly. Says love is not envious Envy means detesting somebody or detesting somebody because of their good position. You, you, you get what I'm saying? Like, that is envy. You get it? When you look at Israel's suit, you're like, no. You know, he thinks he's even tall. He's not tall. <laughs> he's saying God does not envy. And you see, that has been misrepresented many times. We think that God is like, they are getting those cars, yet you don't even come to church. One car, two cars, three. You should get an accident in one. God is not envious. He's not. That's not his nature. He doesn't feel bad at all about the good you experience. Like we've read in Ezekiel, he came to us in our blood, in our he can't be envious. It does not display itself hotly. Not boastful. Not vainglorious. God is not mad at you. Praise the Lord. If there is anything, God is actually madly in love with you. Not mad at you. Praise the Lord. When we read 1 Corinthians 13, I know we'll go back and read it uh, uh, I'll I'll continue this later, but when we go back and read it, let's read that thinking about this God who has loved us. He tells us in Isaiah, can a nursing mother forsake their nursing baby? And he says, even if they do, which is rare, but he says, even if they do, God will never. He will never leave you. If you think your mother is so good, God is better. If there are things your mother can't do to you, God can never. How many times did I escape from school and my mother got to know? How many times did I do, but there is no day my mother told me you're not my son anymore. She would just sit and plead, oh, Benji, please, can you just, I don't want you to suffer in future. I don't want to. And yet God is better. But you see, God has been represented as this God who, he's he's very moody wakes up one day in a bad mood no god is not moody he has no bad mood he's loved us and this love can only be experienced he prays for the ephesians let's go to ephesians ephesians 3 let's go from verse 14. this is paul praying for the ephesians and if paul can pray for the ephesians this way then it is a prayer that we can also pray for ourselves for this cause i bow my knees unto the father of our lord jesus christ Doesn't this mean that this is very important? By this time, Paul is in prison. And you know, he used to be battered. Maybe he's bleeding, his knees have been beaten, and in pain, he would still get on his knees to pray for the Ephesians. So you would think he's going to pray for them. God, provide for them during this corona. God, because if he can pray for them in prison, that means this is a very serious prayer to him. It is pivotal in their Christian walk. And this is what he prays for them. Of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. That alone, we are going to see that that alone can come from understanding his love. Strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Many times as Christians, you see, we run here, we see counselor so-and-so, we see pastor so-and-so, we see brother so-and-so, we see sister so-and-so because we want to be strengthened from the outside. But Paul's prayer, because by this time the church was also being persecuted, he writes letters to Timothy. Timothy was the bishop over the church in Ephesus. He writes letters to him because he's encouraging Timothy because they were going through a time of persecution also. But you see, in his prayer for them, he's praying that their strength should come from the inner man, that the Spirit can strengthen you from inside. And this is a reality that only Christians are exposed to. This is a truth. This is an inheritance. This is what he's saying, that riches of his glory, riches of his glory only accessible to us, riches of his glory, that we can be strengthened from inside. That we can be strengthened from inside. Today, many people are suffering depression. Many people are suffering stress. Many people have panic attacks. It shouldn't be. It is sad. It shouldn't be. No matter what is happening around. Talk about depression. Talk about stress. Look at the guys in the Bible. Who was more a candidate of depression? Look at Jesus. Man, you know every day that I'm living to die after three and a half years. How would you live your life it is telling them be of good cheer have overcome the world even when he gets to a time where he's like father if possible let this pass away from me still strength doesn't come from brother john oh jesus it will be good he's so strong that even when peter is trying to convince him that he will not go to the cross he tells him get behind me satan so convinced paul is in prison and is writing to the ephesians who are not in prison to be strengthened in prison Forgiving his life for God. Who, that, this would depress anyone who doesn't know God. I gave my life for you, God. Now look, I'm in prison. I used to be a Pharisee, a great leader. The very people I used to lead are now putting me in prison. He writes to the Philippians and he tells them, Rejoice! And if you've not heard me well, again I say, Rejoice! He's in prison writing to them. He's in prison writing to, 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 to Timothy. And he's telling him, fight the good fight of faith. Fight the fight of faith. Believe. He tells him, I've run the race. A crown awaits for me. He's in prison. And by this time, in 2 Peter, he, in Second Timothy, he's in maximum prison. In first Peter, he was like house arrest. I mean first Timothy. But 2 Timothy, he was, it's believed. Historians believe he was in prison. He was put in a dungeon that was. Inasiwa, in a in a over that is where he was. And that is where he's writing and saying, I have run the race. I've overcome. He wasn't having panic attacks. He wasn't having. Why? Because maybe the strengthening is not from outside. Let's go back to Ephesians and you see, this strength in the inner man, this strength that he's talking about for us to get, it is the love of God. You can experience the love of God and he will suffice you. I'm telling you the truth. You can be kicked out of your house and you're on the streets. It is raining. And every day when people meet you, you share Jesus with them. When you tell them where you live, they can't even believe. Remember, there's a time we did discipleship for street guys around Aga So Walk. So remember, there's a guy who was called Sydney. So I would meet Sidney every time in his dirty clothes, very excited. And he's like, Pastor, this thing is real. He, you know, he's, ex- he's not begging for money. He's on the street." Because they just used to, they were to scavenge the, the what? The garbage, those trash, whatever that were there in walk And Sydney is like, Pastor, at 2 a.m., I walk here and I'm speaking in tongues. And all my guys are wondering why I'm happy. And I tell them, Jesus is real. And they tell him, No, you have you ever seen him? Have you? And I tell them, just believe, you will also. You can experience him. I can't explain, but you can experience him. Sydney was happy for, I think it's around two months that he was still on the street. Till he was able, were able to reconcile him with his family in Nyeri, and he. he he was taken back to school, and he prayed for his parents because he left home because his parents are divorced. When he got back home, actually before he got back here, he told us his prayer request is that his, his parents get back together. And in less than a month, his parents got back together, and he went back at testimony. A man on the street praying for his parents to be reconciled, that man is complete. You may think he has no house. You may think he has no shelter. He has no food. But that man experienced the love of God, which is real, so real when Kanjo would chase them, beat them, his joy was never depleted. His joy was there because it can be a reality. And many times we try to love. Even in marriages, you'll try to love your husband, you'll try to love your wife, but as long as you're using the human love, you can't. Because human love is dependent on what you can get. Human love is dependent on what they offer. But there is a love with which he's loved us, that he came for us when we were no good. He came for us he says we were enemies to god enemies to the things of god that is when he came for us hallelujah let's go to verse 17. that christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that he being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints that breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God, that you may be able to know the love of Christ, which you cannot know, that is what he's saying. That's reason in amplified. He's saying that you may know the love of God, yet he says you cannot know it. you see? That looks like he's put us in a dilemma here. That thou may really come to know practically through experience for yourselves the love of Christ which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience that you may be filled through all your being unto all the fullness of God may have the richest measure of the divine presence and become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. In other words, this love is not a love that you just talk about. You come to church and you're like, oh, I I know, God loves, I know. Because you see, many people talk about that. I know you love. Then, after some time you hear them call a makanga, we mjinga. You get it? You you know, you just get to know, yeah, their love was there as, as, as long as the makanga was good to them. That's not the love he's talking about here. He's talking about a love that passes understanding, that passes human knowledge. That is the love with which he's called us. That the very man who arrested and put Paul and Silas in prison, that when the prison gates were opened, when the chains and shackles fell off them, they didn't, they didn't get good opportunity for revenge. They told him, today you and your family can be saved. That love, that Jesus could be on the cross and say, Father, forgive them, they do not know what they are doing. That that God who loved us so much, the Bible says that Jesus was the propitiation for our sins. And he says, not only ours, but for the whole world. Do we think that when, he, we, when he, we got born again, when he came into our lives, his love for us reduced? The truth is that God loves you so much and there's nothing you can do about it. You can't make him love you less, you can't make him love you more. He loves you so much. Many of us think that God is waiting for us to confess every sin for him to forgive us. No. No. And you see, it's hard to swallow. That, that's so hard to swallow for many believers because we've grown up in religion. And apart from religion, we've grown up in a society that is merit-based. And that is how we interpret our God. We think our God is that way. But when you experience this love, and like you've seen that Ephesians, he's praying for them. Um, next time, I, I will teach about how we can know this love, how we can know this love of God, how we can experience it how we can know this love that passes here. But one of the things that you you need to understand is that you should want to know it. You should want to know it. Like Paul is praying for the Ephesians. That you should get to a place where you're like, I can't do without this love. I need to know it. Because otherwise you're going to say, God, I'm giving you two minutes because my football match is beginning. In two minutes, if you don't show up, You get what I'm saying? But we should be desperate for it in a good way. Like I want to know this love that passes knowledge. This is not a love that your pastor is going to show to you or to give to you. All I can do is teach you and invite you into a place where you can discover this love for yourself. But it is a love you encounter. This is a love that I encountered and I'm telling you there is no condemnation whatsoever in my life. There is no inferiority whatsoever in my life. Praise the Lord. I've been a pastor, I've been a preacher when I had one pair of shoes. I've been a preacher when I had two shirts and I didn't ever feel inferior showing up with preachers who rolled up with whichever cars and whatever in conferences because I was so consumed by his love. Hallelujah. His love put me up there. I realized I had more than what I needed. I realized I had enough like he says we are complete in Christ that's what he tells us in colossians god loves you so much he gave jesus. his love is not is not is not conditional so don't think that god is people think god is only going to heal me when i give my tithe god is only going to heal me if i give so, if i if i pray so much god is only going to do good for me if i do this and this and this no he chose in jesus christ he says before the foundations of the earth the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundations of the earth. Before you even sinned, He made provision for your sin. This God loves us. When we sing many of these songs about His love, how I pray that we understand it. And because this love is what is going to strengthen us, like He says, in our inner man. Like Christ dwelling in us by faith, it is us being grounded and rooted in His love. That is when we will see God at work in our lives. Us grounded and rooted in His love. And when we are that way, we will be able to give this love to brethren. When people come and show up here in our church, they'll be so amazed at the love that we have for each other, that we genuinely celebrate each other, that even that person who has never said hi to you, you never take it personal. Because there is a love in you. There is a love in you that the world cannot explain. There is a love in you that the world cannot explain. And when we have the healing meetings, that these people, they will testify of the love they experienced more than the, 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 the physical thing that happened. That is what happened when Jesus told this man, do you want to be healed? No, I don't have anyone to put me in the water. I don't have a man. And Jesus told him, take your bed and go. He didn't tell him, you of little faith. He didn't tell him, I'm here to help you. He didn't put him down. He told him, get your bed and go. He showed him this love. Stephen was being stoned and Stephen said, Father, don't put this charge against them. While he was being stoned, he loved these people. I know somebody may say, how can we love like that? Is that possible? It is not possible in your human nature. But you can experience this love and be overwhelmed how much He's love you. That God does not love you because you are lovely. He loves you because He chose. And when you experience this love, you can make a choice to love by faith. And you will love. You're not going to love your wife because she cooks things better than Giveri. You will love even when she gives you Giveri. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.